things that we're going to continue to do consistently and faithfully uh, in Arena Church Mansfield. And one of those is to open the Bible on a regular basis. And um, over the last few weeks, we've just been uh, laying some foundational messages into our hearts for us to begin to believe again that God can do something. Uh, We've talked about hope. We've talked about favor. Uh, We've talked about believing God for the impossible. We've talked about, Christian talked about dreaming. I know that was a message that blessed lots of people. And we've really begun to believe, uh, to to encourage our hearts to believe that God can do something. Because God's done things in the past that give us the privilege of being in the present. But we don't want to live there. We want to believe for the future. We want to believe for the future, for this town, for this area. We want to believe that God will draw people to himself We want to believe that every person here will have a great journey of faith. And whatever our failures, whatever the things that have gone wrong, whatever the disappointments, that God can bring a new day to our lives. So Isaiah 43 says, see, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And Brother David Sherman was here last week. I understand that somebody came into the church tonight and spoke with one of the welcoming team and was under the impression that David was here this week. I am not David Sherman. Sorry. Really, I'm sorry, and if if you're disappointed by that, it was last week, but we'll try and get him to come again sometime, and we appreciated David taking the trouble to be with us. What we're going to do over the next few weeks as we just build up to Christmas is we're just going to take a few snapshots from one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the whole of the New Testament. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the words of Jesus, and they're often described as the sermon on the mount. I want to read the first two verses of Matthew tonight and then for a few moments I'm just going to share a few thoughts with you and I trust that God will speak because it's his words and we're believing that God will minister. Matthew chapter 5, if you've got a Bible, if you've not got a Bible, don't worry, just listen to me as I read. But it says there that now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He began to teach them. And if you follow that teaching through, friends, it is amazing teaching. It is revolutionary in terms of the way that people are called to live. And as I've said, over the next few Sunday evenings, not only me, but other people... We'll just dip in and out of those chapters. We won't be able to cover it all because we've not got time to bring us some of the things that Jesus taught all those years ago that are actually so applicable to our lives today. Jesus saw the crowds, went to the mountainside, sat down and began to teach. Someone described the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6 and 7, as what has been described as essential Christianity. In other words, if you're saying to me tonight, well, how does it look for somebody to live as a Christian? Here we've got it. And it's different from how non-Christians live, and that's how it should be. Because the Bible says that if we are not Christians, we're in the dark. But if we come to Jesus, we're in the light. There's a big difference between darkness and light. We're not meant to be in the middle. And again, as one preacher says, if we're in the middle, we're in the gloom anyway, and that's no good. He's called us to walk in the light. He's called us to be different. He's called us to live out in this world in a way that is different from how other people live. Now, let me just take you back there for a few moments. 
Because 2,000 years ago when Jesus was released in the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to minister, people were looking for different things. You see, at that particular time, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Roman authorities. And they used to bring oppressive taxes to the people and make life very, very difficult. So when Jesus came, lots of people thought, this is fantastic. Because Jesus is going to come and overthrow the Roman rule. In fact, he's talking about a kingdom. That is fantastic. But no, he didn't come to do that at all. And then there were other people that were around at that time that were listening on the edge of the crowd. And they were the religious people. And what had happened over the years was that from the time when God gave the laws in the Old Testament, these laws had been added to and added to and added to and added to and made more and more ridiculous in terms of loading people down so that by the time that Jesus came to teach on the mountain, there were over 600 rules that people were supposed to to respond to and some of them were so trivial that you could barely make it up the religious people thought ah Jesus has come and he's going to affirm all these rules that we've come up with no he came up with a completely different agenda to that you see these rules that people came up with have become binding they become inhibiting they become threatening they become burdening people were pressed down with these rules and it may be that you think tonight that Christianity is simply about rule keeping and if you do you've missed it it's about life it's about life and when we take the life of the Christian faith and reduce it merely to religion that's exactly what happens we get burdened down and it proves to be an impossible task you see people say it's no point me becoming a Christian Phil because I'll never keep it up and the reality is that if you come to Jesus in your own efforts trying to keep it up you'll never keep it But becoming a Christian is allowing Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit to invade your life. To become your king. To let him live through you. And when that takes place, then he gives us the strength and the power and the blessing. Not only to keep it up, but to continually move forward in him. So when Jesus came, he didn't come to overthrow the Roman government. And when Jesus came, he didn't come to say amen to the rules that have been added to the people by the religious. He came for a completely different purpose. And he began to speak about a kingdom. Not a kingdom of this world, but a kingdom of God. He came to speak, friends, about responding to Jesus. And he began to say that if you'll come to me and live out my life then these things will begin to work in you. And the little title for this message over the next few weeks as different people come is laws that live, not laws that kill, not laws that press down, not laws that make you feel terrible. But when we come and give our life 
to Jesus and enter into a new kingdom, we begin to live these things, and these things cause us to really live life as God intended. What kingdom are we talking about? Well, of course, we live in the United Kingdom. It's defined by England, Scotland, Wales, not forgetting Northern Ireland. And if you are a citizen of the United Kingdom, you belong to it. it your passport defines you as a British citizen, someone that comes from the United Kingdom. If you're from uh, France, you're defined by the boundaries of the nation of France. If you're from Germany, similarly, and so we could go on. We're not talking about territory here. We're not talking about a boundary that's defined by a border crossing. When we're speaking here about the kingdom, we're not speaking about realm or territory. We're speaking about rule. We're speaking about Jesus coming and being the king, the ruler over our lives. And in Matthew chapter 6, part of the prayer of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that we ought to pray, let your kingdom come. That's a Christian. That's a Christian. A Christian is someone that recognizes that they've messed up in their own efforts. It's called sin. That they failed the standards of God by doing it themselves. That if they've tried to live by their own laws, it's actually pressed them down. So they invite King Jesus to come and reign in their lives and acknowledge his rule. Someone says to pray for the kingdom to come is to pray that we submit our entire will to him. And when the kingdom comes, friends, things begin to change in our lives. And the Sermon on the Mount reflects the changes that ought to take place. They won't all happen overnight, but they will reflect a journey of faith that God has put us on. And one of the repetitive phrases of the Sermon on the Mount is this, and it's found in verse 21 of, of, of chapter 5. You have, heard it, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder but I tell you. In other words, this is what you've heard regarding the law, but this is what I'm speaking to you about when you let King Jesus rule and reign in your life. You see, the laws that live raise the bar of our lives to be what God's intended us to be. Let me illustrate that for a moment. I bought my tape measure. I think I'm going to need Dave Crabtree to help me because he's nice and tall. You're going to have to stand on a chair, Dave. Right, Dave, on the chair. Bring it, bring it out to you. Right, hope you get, mate. Right, nice and high. Okay. Keep, keep. Oh, that's it. Okay. All right. Now then, you may not all be aware of this, but the high jump will will record for for men is 2 metres 45. 
And uh, so you've learned something tonight. And in old money, feet and inches, so you don't even know what feet and inches is, rejoice because it shows that you're really young. But feet and inches, that is eight feet and half an inch. The world record holder for the high jump is a guy called Javier Sotomayor. He's Cuban. And the record was made in 1983. It's a sign that it's a good record because 17 years later, 18 years later, it's still not been broken. And actually tonight, we can't even get the tape high enough because this, this uh, roof is just less than eight feet. So I've got Dave up there, but I want you to imagine for a moment that this guy from a, from a, a run from probably where Christian is beyond there, you've seen him come on the diagonal run. They're all being the high jumpers. Comes in from a run, throws himself over the top of that bar and cleans it. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Took hours of practice and coaching and training. But here's what happens. You see, that record, even though it stood for a long time, it's a great world record, a great athlete, Sotomayor was a great athlete, has continually been raised because in 1912, the actual record for the uh, men's hygiene world record was only two metres. So it was only... Where are we? It was about there. And then in 1966, it was only about there. And in 1968, we had the Olympic Games in Mexico. I was thinking about this today. It's amazing the things that are sticking in your mind. I had a paper round at the time. I was 13. And he's... No, I'm going on one at the moment, so just stay with me. All right, okay. It's got a relevance. But I had a paper round. I used to be up in the morning and take the morning papers uh, to my particular round. And I remember dashing home to watch on the telly the Olympics from Mexico before I went to school. Of course, you didn't have high definition in those days. It was a grainy picture and you sort of black and white. Well, no, we just about got the colour. Although we had a black and white telly. We've still got a black and white. No, we haven't. But... Okay. but <laughs> And in 1968, there was an American called Dick Fosbury that revolutionized the high jump. Because until that time, you used to go over the bar this way. But he came along because you used to go over it that way because you used to fall into sand. But somebody came up with no longer sand being the thing that caught you when you got the high jump, but a nice inflatable cushion. So Dick Fosbury came along in 1968, kept it to himself the US high jump champion, and he went over the bar that way. Woo! And it was called the Fosbury flop. It revolutionized the high jump because nobody goes over it that way now. They all go over it that way. But at that time, the high jump record was about 222. But people kept coming along and lifting the bar till the present record. 245, eight feet. And a quarter of an inch. Amazing. Why am I saying all that? Thanks, Dave. I'm not going to ask you to stay there any longer, okay? But why am I saying all that? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. You see, people tried to define Jesus. They tried to think he's going to be a political agitator that's going to overthrow the government. He's going to be someone that's going to agree with the religious people and just pile more rules on the people. He says, no, 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 no. Not come for any of those reasons. I've come to bring a kingdom. I've come to bring a kingdom. I've come to bring something completely different. But if you think this 
something completely different that I'm coming for is not going to be without a challenge. You're wrong. Because the repetitive phrase was, you've said this, but this is what I'm saying. And the challenge for us, friends, over the next few weeks in Sunday night church here in Mansfield is that God's going to continually speak to us about raising the bar in our lives. If you've never become a Christian, in a few moments when we close the service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to ask for prayer. And the reality is that we're going to encourage you to respond to God and say, God, I'm going to believe you. Not because you can do it, but because Christ in you becomes the hope of glory and things begin to change in your life. And for those of us that are believers, maybe for you the bar's been very low for a long time. Maybe for some reason you've not really progressed in your faith. Maybe you've got disappointed. Maybe you became a bit disillusioned because of an experience you went through. Maybe you're trying to find yourself back in church in a community of believers that you can belong to. Whatever it is. What God's saying to all of us, friends, is that he wants to continually raise the bar in all of our lives. So that in the darkness we'll shine as the light. When some people live like that, we'll live like this. When they respond like that, we'll respond like this. When they say that's the way to go, we'll go this way because we are following in the steps of the Lord. And in the closing moments of the message, friends, I want to remind us of five things that this will bring, and I'll just bullet point them. In terms of Jesus raising the bar in our lives, when we say, King Jesus, come and rule over me. Number one, it will bring liberty. Religion binds Jesus sets free. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. For about a thousand years, friends, in the history of the world, there was a very dark time. From about 400 years after Jesus died to around about a thousand years after that, it was a very dark time. There was always a few Christians around, but it was a very, very dark time. We came to a place where People used to do all sorts of religious things to try and get to God. They'd pay money to different people to try and get to God. It wasn't working. And one day God spoke to a German priest called Martin Luther and gave him a fresh sense of realizing that what we receive from Jesus is not paid for by us because it's been paid for by Jesus. And it was called being justified by faith. And Luther began to speak about this. And it was like a wildfire that went through Europe. Because all of a sudden people realized that though religion presses us down, when we let the king come to our lives, he sets us free. And friend, tonight, you may have been trying to get rid of some of those life-controlling habits in your life, in your own efforts, and it's not worked. You may have been trying to get to God by being religious, and it's not worked. You may say, Phil, I've been to church every Sunday for years, but somehow I don't seem to be tapping into what you're talking about. No, friends, because you need to come to Jesus. 
you need to let the king reign in your life. And when that happens, he comes to set us free to live for him. When we let the king come and rule in our lives, he challenges our purity. We've not time to look at it tonight, but you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 if you get a chance this week. Because there were people saying, aren't we good in terms of the rules that we're keeping? Ah, Jesus says, I'm raising the bar. Because I'm not talking about things outward, I want to talk about things inwards. And you see, everything that happens outward flows from the inward. It says that we need to guard our hearts because out of the heart come the issues of life. The way that we speak, the way that we behave, the way that we treat other people, it all comes from the heart. And King Jesus tonight, friends, is not just after our outward behavior. He's after our hearts. Number three, when we let Jesus come and reign in our lives, it entails a priority. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. If you read the context of Matthew 6, you'll find that Jesus says on at least four occasions, do not worry. He says, I know about the birds of the air. I know, I know even uh, the, the number of hairs on your head. So you don't need to worry because if you'll seek first my kingdom, then all these other things will be added unto you. You may say, it's all right for you saying that, but what a week we've had. You know, and, uh, and my job's insecure at the moment. And I don't know where we're going to go into. I don't know where the future's going to lie in 2011. And so we could go on and on and on and on. No. Perfectly understandable of all those things. But if we'll seek first the kingdom. If we'll put Jesus first in us. If we'll allow him to raise the bar so that he comes first. All these other things will be added unto us. Number four, it deepens maturity. Because we find in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus talks about fruit. By their fruit, you shall know them. We've got a little apple tree at the end of our um, garden. And, uh, well, this year, it, I don't think we've had anything off it. You know, it, it seems to go in fits and starts. It's a very moody apple tree. <laughs> Last year, we got, we got a couple of boxes of apples. This year, nothing. And we've had somebody come and doctor it and seem to make it worse and charge me £60 for the privilege, you know. And, and, and um, I won't mention his name, but he's not here tonight, you know. But Sharon, Sharon knows who it is, you know. And um, so, but the reality is, despite the moodiness of this apple tree, it's always an apple tree. There's never been any expectation of me going down the garden thinking, you know what, there's going to be some pears on that tree. There's going to be some pears. And, and I've just been away, as you know, and, and uh, they've got, they've got uh, because of the, uh, the, the, uh, the climate, you know, growing bananas. Incredible. You know, and you see the guys pushing the bananas up on the bikes. But the reality is that the particular fruit of the tree won't change. By its fruit, you shall know it. It's exactly the same in the spiritual. You see, there are many people that talk about being a Christian. But Jesus says, when you let the king come into your life and raise the bar, it's not a, it's not a case of just talking about it. You will be one. By their fruits, you shall know them. 
And what we're wanting, by God's grace, increasingly to develop in the life of this church is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness that continues to see the church grow and be added to. Fruitfulness that causes us to live like Jesus would live. Fruitfulness that treats each other with grace and courtesy and respect. Fruitfulness that says, if it's gone wrong, let's put it right. Fruitfulness, by their fruits, you shall know them. And finally, friends, when we let the king come and rule in our lives and raise the bar, it ensures stability because, and Christian will talk to this in a few weeks' time. But right at the end of Matthew 7, Jesus tells a story, and some of you know it well. Two men, one built a house on rock, one built a house on sand. You'll notice that both houses were buffeted by the storms. I wish I could give you a gospel message, a good news message tonight that says, here's what happens. And some people, this is what they preach. If you'll become a Christian tonight, all your financial worries will be dealt with by tomorrow morning, and you'll never have a problem again, and you'll be able to walk into the misty atmosphere happy ever after. I'm not going to do it, friends, because it's not the Bible. The Bible says that sometimes he not only takes us out of the storm, sometimes he takes us through them. Out the other side, giving praise to God. And we could go around the room tonight from my left to my right and say, can we share some stories about storms? You'd be amazed. In, a, in this congregation tonight, we'd be here till 9, 10, 11 tonight because all over the room, there are people that have had to navigate storms. Sometimes ill health, poof, right out of the blue. Bereavement, poof. Went to work Monday, by Tuesday, no job. Storm. Kids that seemed to go haywire, all of a sudden, they were beautiful kids, and then... And so we could go on and on and on. Jesus says, if you make me the king, even when the storms blow, we don't go looking for storms. I don't know about you, but I never go up in the morning and say, I tell you what, God, love a force nine just to come right now. I just really just sort of, you know... But they come. Sometimes they come unexpectedly. Sometimes they come to shake the very foundations of what we are as people. But if Jesus is the king, he's lifted the bar in our lives. He says, we'll come out the other side. And though the house may shake a little bit, it will stand One of, John's, one of Jesus' disciples, John, says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You've heard it said this, but I tell you. And friends, tonight, I just want to encourage us. Be with people on a journey to become a first-time believer in Jesus. Or those that have been Christians for a few years or many years to believe that God wants to continually do a work in all of our lives. Don't be content with being here because Jesus wants to continually raise the bar in our lives so that every one of us will walk into our purpose and destiny that he's determined for us, both as individuals and as a group of believers that gather together. Who knows what God's got for us in the days ahead? And God wants to do something great, friends, beyond our imagination, right where 
we live. Will you let the king come? Because when the king comes, he makes all the difference and really gives us life. So let's pray.